In Narnia, the beasts lived in great peace and joy, and neither the witch nor any other enemy came to trouble that pleasant land for many hundred years. King Frank and Queen Helen and their children lived happily in Narnia, and their second son became king of Archenland. The boys married nymphs, and the girls married wood gods and river gods. The lamppost, which the witch had planted without knowing it, shone day and night in the Narnian forest so that the place where it grew came to be called the Lantern Waste. And when many years later, another child from our world got into Narnia on a snowy night, she found the light still burning. And that adventure was, in a way, connected with the ones I have just been telling you. Hey there, and welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast, where we are doing a chapter-by-chapter deep dive into the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. I'm Chase. And I'm Kel. And thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, Just a reminder, we're talking about The Magician's Nephew today. In fact, the last chapter of The Magician's Nephew today. Uh, But general spoiler warning for the Narnia series, as well as a heads up that we talk about pretty much anything that comes to our minds, and that includes other content that you may not want spoilers for. We may or may not give spoiler warnings along the way. We'll figure it out. But today, we are discussing The Magician's Nephew, Chapter 15, the end of this story and the beginning of all the others in case you were wondering what happens in this chapter love it love it when you title your chapter the end of this story chase i'd love to start us off with a summary of the end of this story and the beginning of all the other stories if i can uh only if you can i'll do my best so suddenly the children are back in the wood between the worlds, and they don't need rings when they're with Aslan. Uncle Andrew is with them, still asleep in the grass. Typical. Aslan takes them over to an empty, dried-up patch of grass where a pool once was and warns them that this is what would co- that has come of the world of charm. It no longer exists. Poof. It is as if it never existed, and they should be careful that this does not happen to their world, i.e. our world. They must also take the magic rings from Andrew and bury them so that no one can use them again. Suddenly, as they were looking into Aslan's face, he seemed to become a sea of tossing gold that they were floating in. They felt more alive and happy than they had ever felt, a feeling that they would hold on to the rest of their lives. Next, they all, including Uncle Andrew, found themselves tumbling into the noise and heat and smells of London back to that terrible place. Uh, They were back on the street in the front of Ketterly's house and everything was the way they left it, except without the witch, the horse, and the cabbie, and his wife, uh, and the lamppost, and all these things. It is like their entire adventure took place in no time at all. No one had seen them leave or return, and good thing, because Uncle Andrew was still covered in dirt and honey from his time as a tree. They wasted no time getting Uncle Andrew inside before anyone saw, and he rushed upstairs to get his bottle of, you know, named after him, Brandy. Polly goes to get the other rings and Diggory goes straight to his mother. He walked into her room where she lay propped up by pillows with a thin, pale face. Diggory pulled the magic apple out of his pocket and it was like all the other color in the room faded next to the brightness and color of this magical fruit. Diggory peeled and cut the apple and gave it to her and that evening he buried the core in the back garden. The next morning the doctor came to visit and Diggory overheard him exclaiming how it was like a miracle. 
Diggory meets Polly outside and they go to bury the rings and they're surprised to find that the apple core has already begun to grow above the surface. What an unexpected meeting. They bury all the rings in a circle around it and about a week later, Diggory's mother was starting to get better and improving and the house was getting brighter and all things seemed to be getting more and more sweet. About six weeks after, they got a letter from Diggory's father saying that their great uncle Kirk died. Hooray, because now they're rich. Uh, how sweet it is. And they're moving out to a large house in the country. Polly and Diggory remained great friends the rest of their life. She came out to visit every holiday. And Narnia, the beasts and everything, lived happily and in peace and joy for a long time. King and Queen Frank and Helen lived happily and their children became queens and kings of Narnia and Archenland and, and everything else. And the lamp both shone forever. And the tree that grew from the apple remained strong until I guess it didn't one day. Who knows? Um, and then Diggory was a famous professor and he still owned the Ketterly's old house. And, and then one day, a storm blows the tree over. Oh, no. But guess what? That tree is chopped up and made into a bum, 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 a wardrobe. And I wonder, if that, I wonder if that wardrobe will have any significance in the future. Who knows? Our story ends with Uncle Andrew cornering people in the billiard room to say weird things about a dim, fine woman that he once knew. The end of this story. What an end it was. Uh, the theme of this chapter is conclusions. Conclusions I mean, and yeah. potentially introductions. <laughs> I, I guess so. It uh, This is very much the tie a nice neat bow on it, make sure everything is mentioned in the last like page and a half. This, uh, th this book, or this chapter, felt like to me uh, the like, the end of a movie where it's like it'll show one character at a time in like a freeze frame and be like john went off to go to college and he became a doctor he graduated top of his class and like just it, it describes all these things for all of the characters like have you seen uh legally blonde yeah like it feels like the end of legally blonde to me where it's like just wrapping everything up. It doesn't show you anything. It just yeah. tells you everything. Man, it's too bad Narnia is not more like Lee Blonde. If, if, if Aslan bend and snapped, it'd be the, great. I'm pretty sure that's how Narnia was created, Chase. Uh, <laughs> not with a song? Uh, well, you, he's bending and snapping like dancing while he's singing. Oh, it's, okay. It's okay. like... It's like the single ladies music video where he's like, uh, 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 like she is bent over snapping with her yeah, fingers. Yeah, yeah. But that's part of the dance move. Yeah, we just, we just didn't get the choreography notes in uh, this version sure, of the book. Sure. It's in, uh, it's in the that, version. That song hadn't come out. And so uh, C.S. Lewis didn't really know how to describe what he was seeing with Aslan there. Are, are you saying that C.S. Lewis predicted Beyonce? I'm saying that Aslan did. Okay, okay. Yeah, yes, is not, <laughs> didn't have the words to describe what Beyonce would be. No, but you know who did? Aslan. And you know what else Aslan can do? Transport people with no rings. Uh, he could just do it. It's a, it's, a, it's a Dumbledore flex here where he's just like, no, no, no. You don't need that when you're with me. I don't need a cloak. I, can, <laughs> I have ways of being invisible without a cloak. It's it's a very it's a very Dumbledore esque phrase here, but Aslan transports the kids to the woods between the worlds, uh, and he goes, "All right, children, before I just send you back, I got two things for you: a warning 
and a command. My warning, don't be like Charn. See this empty Deadpool? Not Deadpool, the Deadpool. you know, superhero, but it's like a dead another crossover. Pool <laughs> crossover. Deadpool has killed the Charn universe. Uh, I think that's a comic somewhere. Uh, but he says, hey, don't be like Charn. Charn is an empty pool now. It's dead. And, uh, you know, then he, he, he mentions how you, how Chase Hansen has uh, predicted this uh, in our third podcast or whatever it was. And so, it says, Chase Hansen predicted it. He, he gives credit where credit is due. Of and course. so, uh, you know, here, I, I told you I'd give you props. There's your props. Uh, I love props. Props are my favorite thing. Um, <laughs> I don't, do I need to be liked? It's no, yes. I don't need to be liked. It's not this, you know, overwhelming uh, sense of like I need it. It's not like my need to be praised. But. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I have a couple questions about this drying of pool. Sure, sure. So he basically infers that the reason that the pool dried up is because the leaders of Charn, I mean Jadis. Uh, but everyone else leading up to her. So it doesn't sound like it was like a sun dying, like, okay, well, this doesn't exist anymore because of this. It sounds like it was because, no, this world just got so evil that the pond dried up and vaguely, like, Aslan was aware of it and had something to do with it, maybe. Um, is so. this a threat? So I took this to mean more because of the evil of everyone. They eventually, you know, progressively growing and growing in evil and cruelty uh, leads to Jadis, who discovers the deplorable word, which kills everyone and destroys all life on the planet. Yeah. So I don't Not think a it was subtle atom bomb reference to. Yeah, we'll let me. We'll get there in yeah. just a sec. But the uh, I think it's like. Like you said, I don't think this is a dying world because of like an astronomical event like the sun blowing up or a giant meteor or something like that. I think it's the uh, the evilness corrupting everything to destroy itself. Like it is it is destroying itself on its own accord. And he's saying, hey, your leaders uh, in your world are potentially doing things like this. Like hopefully they don't, don't discover a deplorable word, i.e., a bomb that could destroy everyone or, you know, mutual assured destruction uh, between a bunch of countries. Uh, hint, hint, Cold War. Uh, I mean, it's good that no one's ever said that sentence before, mutually assured destruction. It's no, good I thing just, that that's not, I, like, that's not like a thing. I made that up. I, I think it's pretty solid. Um, but it's this idea that your destruction is mutually assured because you could both blow each other up a lot. It's like it's promised by both sides. Almost. Uh, but, uh, again, subtlety. Not Clive Staple Lewis's uh, forte. Uh, so he goes with it, and he's like, hey, so don't destroy your world. And they're like, okay, we'll work on it. We're 10. Ooh. Yeah, uh, we, we children can take care of that. You got it, Aslan. Hey, one day he's going to be a professor. And you know <laughs> professors. Yeah, if we've learned anything in 2020, it's that everybody listens to professors. It's that teachers are very much valued. Uh, yeah. They so, have the chief influence in our society. Uh, and they get paid for it, too. Uh, but <laughs> so much. So much. 
Uh, no, Although like, apparently Diggory does, but whatever. Yeah, well, not not for being a professor. It's because uh, it's his because his uncle died. So thank God. Uh, that but, guy, Kirk. But uh, so he gives them a warning. You know, don't screw this up, and, and then a command where he basically tells them to uh, go and bury all of the rings so that they can't use the rings to enter Narnia anymore. Because he's like, hey, don't worry, I've got another plan for how y'all are going to get to Narnia in the future. Uh, he doesn't say that, but you can tell. It's like the thank you that was never said. You just know what he meant. Yeah. And yeah. so they, they hear all this, and then they just kind of get transported back. Yeah, Aslan turns into a sea of gold that makes you feel good. Yeah, I'm confused by that. one. So we we ended last chapter with no thank you, and then there's just no goodbye here. Like it kind of just maybe, maybe it was a slight. Maybe Aslan was like, "Well, you didn't say thank you. I'm not going to say bye." This, yeah. this is what you brought on yourself, Digger. <laughs> Aslan is he's just super like petty. getting yeah, he's getting like real petulant, like just like okay, well. Fine. You hit me, I'm going to hit you. Just and whatever. I hit a lot harder because I have claws. And I'm yeah. Lying, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm bigger than you. So, But now I'll get even bigger as you get older. So, so, so take this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you in this weird like trance-like transportation where you're going to feel really good. And everything <laughs> happy is going to be, you know, for you provided. Boom. Roasted. Yeah. I was trying to figure out like what the meaning of this is. Because it's like Aslan kind of dissolves into the universe like becomes the universe like so you know how whenever they're traveling through the pools and they like are seeing all the like stars fly by them and like, the port key suddenly yes all, yeah yeah it's kind of like aslan becomes that like yeah but then also it feels good and like it's joyful and like it's something that we're told they remember at any time they're feeling bad the rest of their life. They can always look back to that moment where they were engulfed in Aslan and just like they're, they're definitely on like an acid trip or like, like something here. Sure. sure. I, I kind of got the sense that C.S. Lewis was kind of making reference like, and then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And That's what I was thinking. So they too. were able to look back to that moment where they knew God's presence and were able to keep going even when it got hard. Like it's kind of that kind of vibe. Yeah, I was that's kind of what I got. Not like on my notes I put Holy Spirit question mark because it's like I think this is where he was going for it. I thought like, Aslan was Jesus, like so now he's the like, Holy Spirit too, but hey, then also I guess that is fine because So the Trinity Chase there the Father is not the Son, who's not the Spirit, who's not the Father, but they're all God, so they're kind of all of each other. But well, they're being engulfed in the Spirit of Aslan. Correct, uh, and the Spirit of Aslan. Uh, so I, maybe maybe C.S. Lewis's Holy Spirit version, or like describing it, is very much universal. Like it's kind of like the Force, uh, which it's this Holy Spirit is not. Yeah, that's but like a that's like a big point that every it's, every it's youth has to make. Us. It, the force is a it, it surrounds all living beings yeah it's i don't know do you i didn't think, realize that c.s lewis was pentecostal personally but do you think I'm here that for it. that they're able to feel all this golden goodness because their midichlorian count is super high i mean it's even higher than yoda's i might be that's what i've heard um which is 
it's curious, at least. It's potentially dangerous, though. Well, actually, I don't know. Given Diggory's, like, throwing skills, I don't think he's got the force. Just... I, I think know. this is the reason that he'll he'll become rich and he's going to be allowed to like have opinions on the matter of Narnia, but he's never going to be granted the rank of Narnian, you know? Ah, uh, okay. I mean, so, he doesn't ever go back, so... He doesn't. And, Spoiler alert. But he knows a lot. Well, he'll go back, you know, one day when... Spoiler alert, heavy oh, spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah, he's when he's dead, dead he'll, he'll go back. Because apparently Narnia is also heaven, is also another planet, is also all the planet? I don't Chase, know. Chase, in the end, aren't we all Narnia? <laughs> in the end, aren't we all Aslan? And in the end, isn't anything done even against Aslan, but like with Aslan vibes, technically Aslan? That's what I've always thought. If, Just kidding, if you're not. listening and you're wondering what the heck I'm talking about, I'm Read making six fun books. of. I'm re- I'm making fun of the last battle where he kind of goes off onto some weird stuff that like doesn't really make sense. Hey, but, you know, all of us have got some weird theology, unless you, know, you don't. <laughs> I mean, but some of us like to jump up and down on chairs and then be covered in golden smoke that makes us feel good, just like Diggory and Polly. Okay, there's no passage of time whenever they get back to London. Yeah. <laughs> just to pull us back into the story. Sure, yeah, there we go. So no, no passage of time. This is, uh, I, you, you're mentioning Diggory's like proclamation in here. This is by far the most British thing that we see Diggory say or do, where he's like, great Scott. I believe the whole adventure's taken no time at all. Just the phrase, great Scott, you're either British or you're the doctor from Back to the Future. Great Scott, Marty! We've like, gone back in time! There's only two options for you. You're you're not... You can't be anything other than a Brit or a mad scientist. So, you know, I mean... Take honestly, your pick. He's, and he's both. Uncle Andrew does look like Doc Brown. Like, right. And, and Diggory will eventually... Kind of. But he won't be crazy. He's just going to be kind of weird. Yeah, there is a family resemblance in the end. Yeah, but well, hopefully he's, he doesn't he's not. corner women in the study to talk about other women. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Man, it's rough. Uh, but uh, it, it, when they come back into London, it's one of those things. We mentioned it last uh, podcast, I believe, where it was like, there's a bunch of little random weird phrases that he'll just throw in. Uh, and it's like, oh, yeah, the police are all there and everyone's looking for everyone and no one recognizes anyone. And. But this says, fortunately, the front door of the house was opened and the housemaid was standing in the doorway staring at the fun, parentheses, what a day the girl was having. Like, what what a weird thing to say where I was like, yeah. I like to think that that comment has zero reference to any of our story. (laughs) She's just been having a day. (laughs) She's having a great time. She went to the market and she met a really nice guy. Then she went and saw uh, one of those moving pictures. Uh, It was great. Uh, I mean, 
I I hope that for her. Like I really yeah. want her to be having a good day because she works for a wild family. Right. Well, she's it's just trying to make ends meet. She's trying to make ends meet. Uh, what a day she's having. Because if that's not the case, then she's just really enjoying watching her employer go super crazy and super mad. And it's like, hey, your job might be on the line because your employer is potentially going to get thrown in prison. Although, honestly, when someone who isn't great to you starts to get their comeuppets, I can I can feel that. Like, sure. Yeah, it's kind of fun to see, like, oh, he's going full off the deep end. Wow. She's yeah, just throwing I, gasoline on the fire. And yeah. She's loving it. Uh, she wow. is here for that drama, honey. <laughs> real real housemaids of london uh 100 <laughs> percent would watch it would be like i, I feel just, like it's like downton abbey but yeah that, that's the premise of downton abbey <laughs> it's just the downstairs <laughs> it's it doesn't even talk about the upstairs people except to talk I, crap about them i would watch that reality show i like have a reality that. show that is just like like real housewives format but all people who work in Buckingham Palace. Like, <laughs> that's what I want. Queen's going off a rocker, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Fred Armisen plays all the characters. <laughs> <laughs> it's Portlandia, but just Downton Abbey's downstairs. Yeah, uh, I'm all for it. I, I would love that so much. I want this. I uh, want this Bill Hader and Fred Armisen project now. Uh, I think Netflix would would fund this. I mean, they fund Honestly. everything else, and they need something to compete with Disney Plus right now. So, all that to say, uh, you know, housemate having a great time, and then what's Uncle Andrew doing right when he gets home? Boom, he's going upstairs for a drink. Yeah, uh, confirmed. Yes, Uncle Andrew is an alcoholic. Again, like, if get, you are struggling with alcohol, please get some help. Yes, please you know, talk to us. Talk to someone, but don't be like Uncle Andrew. Uh, and so then we go to Polly and Diggory, uh, who Polly or Diggory says to Polly, Hey, you go get the rings. I'm going to go talk to my mom. And they've got this brilliant plan and they're going to go. And so Diggory makes his way to his mom and, uh, he, he, his mom is not feeling well and she looks sickly. She looks pale, but there's this really cool imagery out of all the weird stuff that happens. This is a really cool moment and a neat moment in this last chapter says uh, when Diggory takes the apple from Narnia out of his pocket, it's not quite as, you know, beautiful as it was in Narnia, but everything else in the room loses its brightness and it loses its color. Even the sun compared to this single thing from Narnia, this beautiful fruit, and it looks delicious and gorgeous. It's radiating almost. Uh, and you couldn't help but look at it. You couldn't help but smell the delicious aromas. Uh, and it says, it's as if there was a window in the room that opened to heaven. That's pretty dope. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really a cool image. I don't know. I kind of wish it didn't, like, make everything else look worse. I kind of wish it made everything else around look better. Brighter. Mm. Like, I, I kind of think that would be to critique C.S. Lewis here. Yeah. Clive. I think, I think it would be a little bit more beautiful if it made 
everything around it like improve. Hey, you know, you you want the LeBron of fruits that makes everyone around you just a better better player, yeah. you know. But it was cool imagery and like I I also like that he kind of has to talk his mom into the apple. Like it's not just like an assumed like, "Hey, eat this real quick. I promise it'll be great." Like it's like an actual interaction. Like Hey, like you- I got you this apple. Oh, that's lovely. I don't really know if I'm up to an apple right now, but like, thank you. Oh, I guess, like, yeah. I mean, to be fair, she doesn't need too much persuading. It's literally oh, just yeah. him saying, "You'll eat it." Well, she she goes, ah, "I don't know if the doctor would want me to, but I think I could." And then she does. Yeah, because and- like when you're sick, it can be like hard to muster up the strength to eat certain foods especially like, an apple like an apple is yeah. kind of crunchy and like it could if you don't chew it enough it could be you know dangerous like getting like swallowing it like it's not a liquid which is probably what she's mainly consuming yeah we really don't know what she has uh it's really not stated clearly here uh, my guess is uh that she died of the same or she was suffering from the same thing that padme suffered from which was just sadness uh, yeah, she uh, she died of a broken heart. So <laughs> that's that's all that I can assume. Um, but uh, it says that you know, as soon as she finished eating it, she smiled and she got the one thing that she really truly needed. It's the one thing that all of us really truly need at the end of 2020, and that's a it's a really nice, gentle, real, natural sleep. She conks out, yeah, not drug induced, just uh, just a good old sleep. I mean, kind of drug induced. Like, I mean, TBH is kind of like like he just gave her drugs. Y- yeah, but like the good stuff. Like, yeah, it's like it's like you have like a professional. Like this ain't this ain't no Ambien. Yeah, like, this is this is some she, good stuff. she wakes up on the subway. <laughs> oh God, where am I? I feel great, but where am I? Is this uh, on my hands. Oh no! Wow, this is a, this is a whole new podcast. This is a true crime podcast now. Uh, but so she she gets some great sleep. The doctor comes over in the morning and is astounded uh, because she looks super healthy. And he says it's almost like it's a miracle, like there was a magic apple of youth that was given to her. He didn't say that, but it wouldn't have put it. I wouldn't have put it past C.S. Lewis to be that unsubtle, to be like, it's almost as if the apple of youth were given to her. It's almost as if you ate a fruit from another world. <laughs> that's very specific, Doctor. Why would you say this? That's, that's a really I mean, weird thing to claim. Why would Aunt Letty say that at hey, halfway through the book? Someone's got a foreshadow. And by foreshadow, we mean tell you exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, uh, yeah. At what point is it foreshadowing, and at what point is it just, like, telling you what's going to happen? I had that question while we were doing notes for this chapter, because it really isn't... It's not like a subtle illusion where, like, it's an Easter egg that you pick up if you've already read the next book. It's all like, oh, and hey, reader, in case you were wondering, this is going to lead to... The next book really directly, so stay tuned. Yeah, uh, it's 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 not subtle, and yeah. he, nev- he never is. But you know, say la vie. It is the V. Uh, but right. 
you know, at least the trees grow fast here too, because I guess that's not going to stop. Apparently, because uh, they bury the, the the apple core just in the yard after he's done feeding this apple to his mom. He just throws. He, uh, I'm assuming he just tosses it in the yard because that's his oh, yeah. experience with planting things. That now. is how he buries things. Like he that's why they were able it. to find it the next day. Is because it was he didn't actually buried. He just tossed it. The the tree that's growing, it's not actually rooted into the ground. It's just above the ground. Um, but. So he he throws this tree or this uh, like this core into the ground, and he gives Polly the secret agreed upon whistle that like again, this is a very kid like thing to do. So I appreciate it. But what's sure. the point? Like, why are they hiding? They, yeah. they hang out every day. They share. They have the same backyard. Like <laughs> they, they just they could met just, outside. <laughs> they could just go through the weird tunnel system, like. <laughs> They don't, I don't know, but they, they, they also why. So the doctor says maybe we shouldn't tell Diggory yet. So we don't get his hopes up. Why does Diggory also not tell Polly whether or not it worked because he doesn't want to get her. Hopes. She was in Narnia with him. Yeah, <laughs> she yeah, was knows? there when Aslan gave him the fruit and said, yeah, this will work, bruh. Bruh. <laughs> like it's not a surprise, but whatever. Uh, so they they go to bury the rings that Polly has stolen. And I guess just kept in her company for like two days or for a day uh, because this is the next morning. Uh, I don't know. They split but, up and that happened off screen. But whatever. Uh, and so they come back and the apple tree is starting to grow already. And then they go ahead and bury the rings under the tree. Which Chase, this is unexpected. It becomes magical. What? It's which the rings being buried around the tree, like, is that do you think that the wardrobe would have gone to Narnia if the rings hadn't been buried around the tree? I think that the tree needed the magic of the rings to be a transporter, uh, or like a Narnian like portkey, yeah. uh, in essence. Um, but I think it still would have been a really beautiful, healthy tree, just not a not oh, a pork yeah. key. Oh, for sure. I think the fruit would have stayed the same, but it wouldn't have been a pork key for here's, sure. Here's my my question here, Chase. Aslan has shown himself to be pretty thoughtful and, and a good planner so far. He says, get rid of the rings, bury them. Chase, you could easily just dig this up and find these rings again. Yeah, and especially I, like the tree gets why blown he over. Tell them to take them to the fires of Mount Doom where they were forged. I that's what I would say, but you know, then they have to buy a plane ticket to New Zealand, and that's yeah. And they, they don't have money yet. Fellowship, like they don't he's, have. He's gonna have money in about soon. seven weeks. So. Sure, sure, sure. That like, but until then, you know, what are they supposed to do? But like. He just has to bury them, and this tree will grow and become beautiful and lovely and produce great fruit that's renowned in all of England. But then it will be like knocked over by yeah. a storm. Also, and like, are they are just you... like selling magic applesauce or something? Like, what? That's are they... what I would do. That's why they. That's how they continued making money. Also, Eat. why didn't they plant these fruits into like they could have done something more? They could have made a production line. They could have done so much. Okay, Uncle Andrew. Uh, but I mean. If they have like vaguely magical healing properties, they're just not helping people at this point. That's man with 
if you to to paraphrase Spider Man, if you are the one that has the capability to save and you don't, it's your fault. So, so thanks a lot uh, for not solving COVID, Polly and Diggory. It this really on, is this, that that has this been the point of this entire podcast. This is on y'all. Here, as we record on the last day of 2020, we this really just wanted to let people know. If you're going to point fingers, point them at Diggory and Polly. Yep, that's the only logical case. This has been a 15-chapter-long public service announcement, and now we're done. Bye. Yep. This is the uh, podcast. And speaking of the end of 2020, uh, there's a quote that says, When things go wrong, you'll find they usually go on getting worse for some time. Okay, but they- but but the, you know, the quote continues, uh, and then hopefully this is a 2021 projection. So the first half of this quote is 2020. Hopefully this half is 2021, but it says, but when things once start get going right, uh, they often go on getting better and better. And you, Chase, do you know what the better and better is for Polly and Diggory? It's that, one, Uncle Kirk dies? Well, well, Diggory's dad comes home from India, so that's good. But do you know what's even better? That his great uncle Kirk dies. Thank the Lord. Yeah, like, I do like that that's like good news in this chapter. It's not like, even remotely considered like a tragedy or a bummer. It's let's only grieve him at least. Like, like grieve your great uncle before you just like lounge in all of the, the riches that he gave you, like Scrooge McDuck. Like man. Uh, I do like that to get there, we had to go through two time jumps of one week later. And Six it, weeks later. And it happens like back to back. It's <laughs> Yeah, it's like two sentences apart. It's Why not just say like over similar, time? Yeah, similar to last chapter, C.S. Lewis is just trying to check boxes at this point. He's, He's not trying to tell a story anymore. He's like, okay, I said this, this was only going to be 15 chapters long. We just got to wrap this up. I'm this is tired. the dad. This is the dad on Christmas Eve who has ran out of wrapping paper and is just tired of like wrapping presents. And so he's just throwing newspaper on stuff, taping it. He's just got a roll of duct tape rolling around. Yeah. It, he doesn't even care. Just tapes a bow on a plain Amazon <laughs> box. Like, like boom, fine. here you go. Uh, he, we all not, know what this is. He's not trying hard. He's just getting it done. He's getting it acceptable and ready to go. Uh, but it says, you know, great uncles died. Hooray. We're rich. Woo! And, then it, <laughs> uh, and then it said, Polly and Diggory uh, would be friends forever. Yay. And that they, like, Polly would come over for holidays all the time, which, you know, I don't know what that means, but, like, I'm sure, assuming the Brits know, so, like, we'll just leave that with them. Uh, oh, I mean, it is this just, like, her vacation spot now? Like, She's hey. got a rich friend, so she takes advantage. Hey, some people want to go to the lake. Some people want to go to the mountains. Some people just want to go hang out in London with their friend. So, I mean, I'd love to go to London. It doesn't sound like in this time period, but also, like, I thought going on vacation in Britain usually meant going to the beach and not going to the countryside. I assume, you know, it was, like, going to, like, Hogwarts or something like that or... But. If I've learned anything from watching The Crown, it's that sometimes you just need to get away to your country mansion. Yeah. 
where else are where else are you gonna you know go hunting in the mud in the rain like vacationing in britain just sounds like more rain like you're going to just another spot with rain but diana is delightful she is oh for now she is at least who knows yeah Uh, things look like they're good I, yeah. I haven't I haven't looked at the news in the last thirty years, so <laughs> I don't know what happens next. You're in for a really rude awakening in season five, I think. It, uh, you may not like what happens to Diana. I mean, I know I'm not going to like what happens to Diana. I think what I'm not going to like more though is that Prince Charles actually gets together with Camilla. I actively dislike we, the king. And I mean, at this my point. my wife, my wife Cordy and I have had this conversation. We are actively rooting for them to just like skip <laughs> Charles and, and just be like, ah, next. Yeah, I'd love for them to write him out. They should also write out. Uh, is it Prince Andrew who has done not good things recently? We don't have to go into Eesh. details. Eesh. Um, <laughs> Let's just. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, skip, skip a generation. Uh, and you know, yeah. let's just forget that Charles and Camilla are a thing. Also, can Prince Harry play himself? I want Rupert Grint or Ed Sheeran to Rupert play. Rupert Grint would be perfect. <laughs> to play. That would be so funny. <laughs> I, like he's he's been doing like weird obscure British series. I would love to see him in something mainstream. If he was in the Crown as Prince Harry, that would, that be, would be so be, funny. That'd be so dope. <laughs> it would be awesome. But and because uh, then I would Ron love Ru- Rupert would be Grint. named Harry. <laughs> I would love for Rupert Grint to be Harry, and then for Daniel Radcliffe to play uh, William. Oh. Now, the perfect crossover. Because <laughs> then Harry's uh, not Harry. Ron's and if Harry. If we could get Emma Watson in here to uh, play be What's Her Face, what's uh Kate. Oh, yeah, Kate. Yeah. I could see I, it. I could I, actually see I don't it. Even, I don't even care if they don't look alike. And then Meghan Markle make can happen. play herself because she's already an actress. <laughs> I'm for it. This is, this is what we need. Uh, I, Netflix, uh, if you're listening make this happen. I doubt you are because why would you be? I mean, <laughs> if my family doesn't listen, Netflix definitely doesn't <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so sad. That's for the best. Uh, we are reaching to, to get us dozens, <laughs> dozens of people. <laughs> there are dozens uh, of us. Well, to get us back on track, how can a windstorm tear down a magic tree? Is uh, I don't know. It was, <laughs> <laughs> Chase, this is again. He he's really yada yadaing this hardcore. Yeah. Well, so we know that the trees are connected because when the wind blows at Narnia, the tree moves on Earth and vice obviously, versa. Obviously, obviously. I I kind of wonder. I've got. Do you think the probably, tree in Narnia chopped down? I've got a real theory here. So I think either one way or the other, either one I'm fine with. I think whenever the tree died in one place, it died in the other. So if it was an actual windstorm that knocked down the tree on Earth, I think the tree in Narnia also got knocked down. Or the first Narnian logging company... (laughs) 
uh, <laughs> tore down the tree the East, in Narnia. The East India, the East Narnia Trading Company. Yeah, yeah, the East Narnia Trading Company murdered all the talking animals, and then <laughs> also uh, also knocked down the magic tree that was protecting Narnia, which I think is also the plot of one of the books. But either way, um, but yeah, I think that that is how the tree died one way or the other, and that's how the White Witch got to go back into Narnia. Also, I think that the wardrobe opens to where the tree was planted in Narnia. That's my theory. I think it's from... It was planted near the lampposts. We don't actually know what happened to it. The tree on Earth is connected, and so I think when the tree on Earth gets made into the wardrobe, I think it opens to the tree in Narnia. Have you seen the legend of Korra, Chase? Of course. If this is a, uh, this is giving me real like spirit, like portal vibes where it's like the two, the two uh, like spirit vortexes. And then there's the spirit tree, which is a thing as well. Do I understand it? No, but I it, mean, uh, that's what it's looking like. Was it dope? And did I was on the edge of my seat for every second of it? Of course, one hundred percent. So did I understand what the giant ribbon monster was? Heck no. No, uh, it's a kite. Uh, obviously, I think it's, it's a e- kite made out of chaos. It's an um, evil kite. Uh, uh, so that's it. But the yeah, I think you're right. I think I think that's a good theory that I will gladly subscribe to. That when either one of these trees died, the other one also would because they're connected, and then. Uh, that's what allowed the witch to come in. I, I'm for that. I I think that's probably spot on. I mean, it feels like it makes sense, especially yeah. just knowing that they're connected to the extent that like what happens to one as far as like the wind goes happens to the other. I think that would make sense for... Because also, I think the timeline adds up for when the witch takes over Narnia. Yeah. Because she has been in power for at least a couple of decades whenever uh, the Pevensey children get there. Yeah. And so like the wardrobe was probably built like maybe 20, 30 years before the Pevensey sure. children show up. Yeah. I'm, I'm for it. it. I'm for it. it. That's canon to me. Uh, I'm for it. And so as we speak about the Pevensey children, because Chase as the chapter title denotes, this is the end of one story but it's the beginning of another because as we learn about Narnia being protected for a while and then the tree gets knocked down, that tree becomes a wardrobe and that wardrobe chase is a wardrobe <laughs> because as we've seen in this book, we've already met a lion and a witch and now we finally have our wardrobe. And this, this is where, as you mentioned, C.S. Lewis foreshadow is, is, is too, too subtle for him. He just tells you, he goes, that was the beginning of all comings and goings between Narnia and our worlds, which you can read in other books. Like, I feel like this was like, this is, this for me feels like C.S. Lewis in the middle of like a sales pitch where it's like, and you can have all these stories for the short price of nine ninety nine. Like this that is that moment when you realize the book you're reading or the movie you're watching is sponsored content. Yeah. Or like, this is like, when you like, realize oh. this lifetime movie is actually a KFC commercial. Weird crossover. Weird. I love, don't understand. Love what Mario Lopez is doing nowadays. Uh, man, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's that's a thing. But like, it, he's basically just like, so all these things are happening. This wardrobe, which is a wardrobe, and I don't know if you've read my other books that feature 
a wardrobe. This is that wardrobe. Hey, I don't know if you know, but the other books also have Narnia and they also have Aslan. And uh, yeah, this cool. this one is connected you should, to those ones. You should uh, buy my books. Like and subscribe. Uh, peace out. Uh, we'll see you. Uh, so that's how I picture C.S. Lewis right now. Um, he, but He's a TikTok. He's he's very vaguely referencing the wardrobe and Lucy, who will one day uh, go through it. Um, and then he we end our book as we should with our main character, Uncle Andrew. Who, Gotta love him. The real hero some, of the story. Who gives some like this this whole paragraph gives some real like murderer in clue vibes where it's like but he always liked to get visitors alone in the billiard room. It was Uncle Andrew in the billiard room with his stories that murdered everyone. Uh, and, and his stories are about a mysterious lady, a foreign royalty with whom he had driven about London. A devilish temper she had, but she was a dim, fine woman. A dim, fine woman. That's how the book ends. I, I love that the last line of this book is toxic masculinity. But like, also, like, don't we all have that uncle that quarters you at a party to say weird things to you that make you uncomfortable? Like, it's so weird, man. Why, like, we could we not have just left Uncle Andrew in his, like, drunken stupor? Like, that's that could have been his end. Or even just saying, like, you know what? He got better. Like, he lived a much more selfless life after that. Nope. We got to make him still creepy. Yeah, that definitely wasn't going to happen. This is much more consistent with his character, but I don't know. Like, I'll tell you another story off pod because it would make some people angry. But one that I can say on pod, one of my uncles at Christmas last week cornered one of my aunts, not his wife. Like, he's my great uncle. She's my actual aunt. Um... And told her she looked like a woman of the night. We, who doesn't have weird family members saying inappropriate things? Man, it's one thing. It's one thing to tell them like, "Hey, you're looking like a little sleazy. You look. You may be looking like a prostitute." To refer to that as a woman of the night. Yeah, that's well, I, not only would I never say that to someone just in general, because I care too much about what people think of me. Sure, but also, sure. she looked perfectly normal. She yeah. she was wearing completely appropriate clothes, not even slightly revealing, like had a good color palette going. Her, her mask matched her pants. It was great. And I, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, Knowing my extended family and assuming that even if it's the worst case scenario, most people at least have something similar. This feels true to form. Like this is this is the toxic masculinity that we expect from a weird uncle, not the sure. kidnapping children and sending them into other worlds with his like murdered guinea pigs version of a creepy uncle. Yeah. It's, He's uh... really just come back around to normal. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's true to form, but we don't like the form. It's bad form, Peter. Yeah, uh, we're, we're not a, we're not here for it, but we do recognize it. It's, uh, it is what it is, but it's a the weird way of to, truth. It's a weird way to end your book. You couldn't yeah. end it. 
end it with your not so subtle foreshadowing. Yeah. Don't, don't end it with a dim fine woman. Yeah. It. Let me actually look look at this because I think it's the paragraph before that he says the like not subtle foreshadowing. Oh, it is. It is. Like you, he could have ended, ended it. it. Yeah. Yeah. The last line of the paragraph before this is, that was the beginning of all the comings and goings between Narnia and our world, which you can read of in other books. And then it just goes into a just ending paragraph of the only thing that Diggory's father says in the entire book. This is his only line. This is the only time we see Diggory's father. He says, we've got to try to keep the old fellow, Uncle Andrew, out of mischief. Because it isn't fair that his sister has to like deal with him, and then Uncle Andrew being weird to people in the billiard room. Like, like this, this is the least necessary paragraph I'm, in a book full of unnecessary details. I feel like this was like C.S. Lewis sent this to his publisher and his editor, and they're like, "This looks great." And then they sent it back, and he subtly slipped this last paragraph in, and then they published it, and they were like, "Wait, wait, what? Like, why? Why did we need that?" And C.S. Lewis was like, gotcha! Like, <laughs> everyone wants more Uncle Andrew. I was like, no, we, we don't. But that's how it goes. Chase, do you have anything else to add before we head further up and further in? I don't think so. I'm still just, I'm still just lost in Uncle Andrew. You don't, you don't want to, <laughs> you don't want to uh, unnecessarily end our podcast with uh, more talks about Uncle Andrew. <laughs> You you don't think I'm gonna find a way to do that? You don't think I'm gonna corner our listeners and talk to them in about a fine woman? Chase in the billiard room <laughs> with Uncle Andrew. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, let's go further up and further in. Uh, you yeah, go this, first. <laughs> this this further up and further in, it's gonna be pretty brief for me because as we've basically talked about, this is a really short chapter. And there's not a lot that happens. And he kind of just yada yadas a lot. Uh, and, but the main thing that for me that I wanted to talk about is the foreshadowing, quote unquote, of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and the other books. But predominantly just mentioning Lucy. He mentions her. She is the, uh, there are four Pevensey children that we will find in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. But she is by far the main one. She is our discoverer of Narnia in the first book that is written by him, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And most likely your first introduction to this so the story as a whole and she is uh she is our intro into it and she she's mentioned whenever whenever he is giving his wrap-up of king frank and queen helen in narnia uh saying hey uh like everything is good in narnia all of their kids would become kings and queens of narnia and arch land and blah 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 and everything would be good until uh, one day another child from our world would enter another child being Lucy. And then when the wardrobe is created, it says, well, uncle uh, or uh, Diggory would never uh, have the fortune of using the wardrobe to go into Narnia, but another one, another person would. And that person is Lucy, right? Again, not so subtle foreshadowing, but it's specifically Lucy. It says another person, not all these children. It's specifically mentioning Lucy. And I think that's important for us to recognize that it's mainly about her becoming this uh, like focal character of the Narnian story, that she is the person that you're supposed to identify with the most as the discoverer, the uh, innocent one, the pure-hearted. So uh, I just think it's it's important that you're starting off at the the conclusion of one story and the beginning of another with the person 
that is going to be the main character of the future story. Yeah. It is interesting that these books all have like a male and female protagonist like duo. Because like mm-hmm. there's four Pevensey yeah. children, but Lucy and Edmund are definitely the main characters. Sure. Let's see Horse and Boy, there's Shasta, and I can't remember what the girl's name is, but there is a duo. I think same thing for all the books. There's like kind of your core two. Yeah. Even yeah. though there's other characters there. Sure. But anyways, uh, my further up and further in, just wanted to take a minute to talk about endings while we're here in this last chapter. Uh, the story is a prequel. Like we've said a bunch of times, it's the sixth book in a seven book series. So like he does shamelessly foreshadow because it's basically just a callback. Like, uh, but I, what I wanted us to land on here though, is really just the questions that C.S. Lewis is trying to answer with this book, because I, I think the ending of the story and the things he makes a point to tell us are important to seeing why he wanted to share this prequel in the first place. Like, like Kel mentioned, he gives a lot of really direct foreshadowing for Lucy, uh, everything short of saying her name, really. He tells us how the lamppost got there, why it's always lit. He tells us why the wardrobe goes to Narnia. He, a little bit of how the magic works with it being made out of a Narnian tree with magic rings grown into it. Um, he tells us how the witch got there, why she's so bad. He tells us how Lucy and the Pevensey children's uncle came to have a magic wardrobe in the first place and how he ended up in this wonderful mansion in the countryside. We learn how Narnia came to be, how it relates to our world in the grand scheme of things. Like This book actually answers so many questions about this world that people love so much. And this chapter shows that those are things that Lewis set out to answer in the first place. Like the, op- the opening lines of this book said, this is a story about something that happened long ago when your grandfather was a child. It's a very important story because it shows how all the comings and goings between our world and the land of Narnia first began. And then, as we said earlier, like one of the last lines of this book is, that was the beginning of all the comings and goings between Narnia and our world, which you can read of in other books. Like He kept that promise right down to this final chapter where he wraps it all up in a nice shiny bow because that really is the point of writing a prequel. It's to answer the questions that tell you how you got there in the first place. Well, Chase, as opposed to just showing you through future podcasts that everything's going to be good, we're just going to tell you all of our future podcasts will be amazing. Everything will be incredible, uh, and it's going to be wonderful. Um, But Kel has a lot of confidence in us. (laughs) Well, maybe. Chase, would you mind cornering our listeners into a billiard room and letting them know how they can uh, help us become a dim fine podcast. Absolutely. I would love to. Uh, yeah. If you want to rate and review our show, uh, the best place to do that is on Apple Podcasts. but you can find our podcast uh, pretty much wherever you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Audible, just Look for it. You'll probably find it. Um, we would love for you to share this podcast with friends um, if you've enjoyed it so far, or even if you're looking forward to us diving into The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe uh, pretty soon here. We'll be starting the next book, and it's the book that most people know. And so we're hoping that you will join us for that, invite people who love this story. And yeah, we 
look forward to talking about that with you next time. Peace. This was is not, not going to be a podcast. I can tell you what, this was not going to be our stinger. <laughs> Definitely not. Uh,